Thanks for tuning in to the Beyond Normal podcast, where we highlight minority business owners and founders, and we use this platform to shed light on their entrepreneur journey. Welcome to the Beyond Normal Podcast. I am excited to have my guest, Khadija A. Robinson. She is very accomplished, very talented, but right now she is focused on being the founder of The Nautilus, uh, which is uh, your guide to shopping Black-owned brands online. How's it going, Khadija? It is going well. I can't complain. It's Friday. Yes, exactly. Everybody should be happy, uh, TGIF. Uh, for some folks, hopefully it's payday. Hopefully you guys getting ready to have a quarantine, a quarantined uh, weekend. Everybody staying safe, but I want to make sure that I, I hop into things real quick with you. Thank you for being on the show. Me and Khadija have been trying to uh, link up for this conversation for a while now. Uh, she's doing some amazing things. So I, I want to hop right into things and let you share your story. You ready for that? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. First question. Uh, I want you to tell folks a little bit about your background. Uh, you, you have some... Uh, well, not some, you have an amazing background when it comes to, um, you know, being a lawyer in that legal space. And I want you to tell folks a little bit around about um, where you're from and, and how you got to this point where you're the founder of the Nautilus. Sure. So I'm from Savannah, Georgia. For anybody who's been there, it is a beautiful place. You should definitely go check it out when the Rona is over. Um, and I you know, grew up in Georgia. I went to Spelman College. So I'm a Spelmanite as well. And then I did a master's in London at the University College London before I went to law school. And I went to Harvard for law school and graduated in 2015. So I moved down to DC where I live now. And I've been in DC ever since working at a corporate law firm and um, making moves in in other ways. So I actually took a year to go clerk for a federal court clerk, uh, federal court judge here in DC. And it was during that year that I really, um, you know, got the idea for Nile and started building it out. And it started as just a Google spreadsheet of Black businesses that I was uh, keeping track of that I had either shopped with or that had been recommended to me that I wanted to shop with. And, you know, that that federal government uh, salary wasn't hitting the same way that that law firm salary was. So I had to <laughs> I had to keep that as my wish list. And and I do love to shop. So my wish list started getting a little bit out of control. But what I realized was you know, I was keeping this spreadsheet because it was so difficult for me to find black brands to shop with when I was like shopping online, which is how I do most of my shopping. And as I started to grow it, uh, other folks started asking me for it. Then my family and friends were like, oh, yo, let me let me get that. Or do you have any recommendations for candles? Do you have any recommendations for X, Y and Z? And I realized that I was not the only person who was interested in buying with black brands. And I also wasn't the only person who had a prop, like who had trouble doing it, um, who had a hard time finding businesses to shop with. So I, I started growing what is now the Nihilist from that spreadsheet. Thanks for that. And, um, you know, I think about uh, a couple of things that you said there, like you said, you like the shop. 
you know, we all like to go, uh, you know, to our to our go to products. Right. Uh, for me, uh, I'll probably say it's like, you know, uh, my business shirts, like things like that. Cigar shops, you know, I'm, I'm a guy. Right. But to your point, you should be able to have places, you know, that you can go and you can support and buy from people like you. Um, so it, it's so cool. It's so amazing that you started out, like you said, with a spreadsheet. Right. But you kind of notice and other people trying to figure out having their own spreadsheet, trying to do their own spreadsheet, trying to figure out where to go um, and saying that light bulb going off in your head um, and saying, yeah, this should th- this should probably be a business. Right. Um, that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, and you mentioned something there. Uh, it's OK. I, I, th- I think, like you said, the salary piece, right, the salary or the, the money, right, that you were making at the time. I think it's OK. And people try to balance, uh, think that, you know, when you're a founder, you're, you're starting your own company, you know, you have to be in it for the the right reasons, quote unquote, but just getting that bag, right? That is a legit reason yeah. for being a founder. Can you, no, can it's you, true. Uh, it's true. And I actually had someone mention, I, I talked to a group of angel investors this week, and one of them said, you know, I see a lot of young uh, founders, women founders in particular, who, uh, you know, their businesses are all about the social good and these social causes. But I want to know where, like, are are you going to be hungry and go out and make that money and build a really, really, really profitable business? Um, to which my response was, you know, there's money and social good. Like people want to feel good when they go buy and people want to be able to say, oh, yeah, I bought all this new stuff and it was black owned and it was, you know, made by a women owned company or it's vegan, too, or it's eco friendly and it's black owned, you know, all these things. They People want to be able to say that and people are even willing to spend more money to be able to say that when they make purchases. So, yeah, it's, there's no there's no um, nothing bad about securing that bag and building a really profitable, scalable company. I like that. And so uh, I want to um, kind of go off cuff a little bit. Um, you know, you mentioned your your, your background, um, you, you know, you're accomplished from an education standpoint, um, you know, you being in that, you, you know, that legal arena, um, kind of going down that path. Like what is, you know, what are some of those, what are some of the skills that you, 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 you kind of, leverage the most as you 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 transition to being a founder of the Ooh, that one's hard because i actually had to unlearn a lot of stuff being a, trained as a lawyer really jacks you up when it comes to being an entrepreneur and it's because being trained as a lawyer is all about seeing risk everywhere seeing problems and red flags all over the place and being you know very risk averse how can you limit your risk how can you do things that are not going to expose you how can you make sure you're not opening yourself up to liability for xyz and being an entrepreneur is like liability off of bat like from the jump you are just taking risk after risk after after risk after risk you are taking all your money and putting it into something that may or may not fail and is very likely to fail based on the statistics of how small businesses close how startups fail how you fail to get funding and even if you do get funding funded startups still fail at a exponential rate and so it's like as an attorney, you kind of look at this landscape and your head is exploding. Like, oh my God, it can be very hard to um, to really train yourself to 
not only take the type of risk, but move at the type of pace that you need to move at when you are in a a startup environment, building a business. So a lot of my journey has actually been checking those lawyer voices in my head that'll be like, oh, wait, do you really want to, you need to read this entire thing and you need to write out all of the, you know, like the decision tree and X, Y, and Z where you're doing this. Um, and, and sort of moving a little bit more into the realm of like, well, just do it <laughs> and see if it works. Cause startups are a lot about like, do it, see if it works. You, you have a, a basis for doing things, right? But it's still like, do it, see if it works. If it doesn't work, try something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not at all how you approach lawyering. Got it. No, and I appreciate that, uh, you know, that feedback, like you said, there's certain things that you got to unlearn like that. That's very important because I think, you know, it's something that one thing that I've said as I talk to different uh, founders, entrepreneurs like yourself, the one thing that they all agree on is when you take a gamble on yourself, you can't lose. But like you said, if you're trained your whole life to essentially be risk averse. Um, and I've got a similar story when it comes to education, right? Me being a math person, a numbers guy, like you said, that risk averseness. That's something that's embedded in you, like at an early age, right? When you're when you're going down that track of being educated, and so it, I think, it, especially as Black folks too, like I think our our parents' generation is very risk averse. They they're all about like get that secure job, get those secure benefits, get that pension if you can, like security and and very rightly so, but like very focused on security and averse to risk. And so not out here, you know, they're building savings and not play it in the stock market. But those are the, you know, sort of differences. And I, it, it's, um, it's very interesting that you mentioned things like the stock market right now where, you know, essentially the market, um, you know, it crashed, right? At the beginning of this year, we had some sort of a, a, of a, a downturn when it came to covid uh, but what we've seen in this current environment, right, is that um, business are doing better than ever. A lot of the, the names that we all use, whether it's your phone, I'm not going to say their brands, uh, whether it's the places we shop, a lot of the big players, the names that we all know, they're doing amazing during this time. And so, you know, why can't you do amazing as a as a, a small business, as a founder of a startup? Um, it's going to be a grind, like you said, uh, but you can still make it. Yeah. No, it's true. But I mean, we also have to think about like the, the perennial problem with being uh, uh, with bootstrapping as an entrepreneur, with being a small startup early stage and especially being a black founder is like the funding. Um, a lot of these businesses have the money to weather a storm and and they can go three, four or five months in the red mm-hmm. um, and they could be OK. And <laughs> and for us, even when going back to what I said earlier, like trying something, if it doesn't work, trying something else, a lot of bootstrapping founders who are not getting funded can't do that because like if you do this one thing and it doesn't work, well, that's what you spent all your money on. Got it. So high risk, high reward. Uh, can, you, can you elaborate a little? I don't want to put you on the spot, but can you elaborate a little bit around how that initial like ask was uh, for you to get some sort of get some resources to build up the knowledge 
Um, did you do that, something like a friends and family round? Did you did you have something personally, you know, did you tap into your personal resources to get things off the ground? Right. So I've been using my personal funds and we actually did a crowdfunding round, which we are using to build out our new platform. But most of the money put into the business has been mine. So that's like the perk of being a corporate lawyer, right, (laughs) is that I've been able to um, fund the business in that way. But in that crowdfunding round, we did an incentive based crowdfund that meant that instead of giving people equity in the company, we gave them incentives in order to, um, you know, contribute to our crowdfunded campaign. And we raised uh, just over $37,000 in that campaign, which was really uh, helpful for us as we're building out our new platform and testing out some new things with the business. But in terms of, you know, raising that money, I think uh, it was a lot about being able to communicate what our value was to folks and then making the ask and not not like I was a little relentless with it, too. I was like, hey, yo, <laughs> I messaged you three days ago. You didn't reply to me. Mm-hmm. I see you haven't backed our campaign yet. Can I expect your contribution today? Um, and we did it for a 30 day period. And I was just like, hit, you know, sort of working it, like calling people, texting people, emailing people, following up, following up, following up. But um, a lot of people just believed in what we were doing and said, yeah, I want to be a part of that. We're like, do you want to be a part of our founding club? The people who are helping to make Nile happen. And people looked at what we're doing. We're trying to make it easy for people to buy black, make it really, we're trying to make it easy for people to shop their values um, and, and shop in a socially conscious way and, and not have to trade anything to do it. You don't have to trade ease. You don't have to trade convenience. You don't have to give a, you know, give up variety or options. And people were like, yeah, I want, I want that. I want to see it come to fruition. And so they're willing to put money behind it. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you gave some nuggets there. Um, you know, I think more importantly than ever, specifically for our generation and probably the generations after us, we have to keep in mind, right? Like closed mouths do not get fed. And so what you just said around, hey, you really do have to ask. And oh, yeah, by the way, just follow up with them. You know, life happens where people forget. And, and it's like it's not like they're doing it on purpose. Like you said, there's some natural tendencies for us to maybe be conservative. But um, you wearing that sales hat, um, it's interesting that you were able to adjust somewhat smoothly. Like you said, you were kind of relentless with it. I think that's the part that holds people up a lot of times is like that ass. Like you really got to like ask people and it's going to be awkward. You're going to have to embrace the pause. Like you said, there's going to be some awkwardness. Like initially, like, why are you asking me for money? But you got to do it like. No, you got to do it. That's the litigator of me where I'm like, I've gotten used to being put on the spot in that way. So I think, you know, in that way, um, being a lawyer has helped because Mm -hmm. when you are standing up in the courtroom, which I have had the opportunity to do and, you know, you're talking to the judge and they want you to make an argument about something or you are talking to a witness and you have to get what you need for the jury. You know, you, you get into the flow where, you can improvise and you 
become comfortable in that um, in discomfort. And you do have to be able to have those conversations. Like I had to call some people and be like, yo, <laughs> this is what I'm trying to do. What's up? And that can be very, very hard to do. But a lot of times it is um, just building ourselves up to do it. Because, you know, what you'll find is that you get very few no's. I got very few no's. And some, and and, I, and then I was like, okay, I get it. I understand. Well, I would appreciate if you could support in this way. If you can't support by back in the campaign, would you be able to share with a few family and friends that you think might be able to back us? Because it is a pandemic. It's a whole uh, panoramic, as they say these days. Mm-hmm. And so I get it. Like you folks can't always back you and they can't always put money into these things, but um, you can always figure out a way for people to be able to support you um, and and make it less awkward in that way. I like that. Um, You know, I've been doing uh, some, I've been having some history lessons of my own, Um, you know, think about like Black Wall Street, right. Which was in Tulsa. Um, I actually found out recently that there were some, um, some, some, some black communities that were able to prosper here in North Carolina. Uh, Asheville, uh, Durham is another uh, city here in, in Charlotte that some folks may be yep. um, aware of. My family's of. from Durham. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it, it, it's like amazing when you have like these, like you said, you, you have that support system. And then the ecosystem, like everybody's just feeding each other, right? In terms of you spending dollars, you know, they spend dollars with your business and then you're ultimately helping, you know, other brands that are black owned, right? And then it just, it's just a, a virtuous cycle, I think is what they say. Um, and it's, it, it ends up being something beautiful, but it's not necessarily something that people can see that vision right from the very beginning. And you, you, you wearing that hat and making sure that that vision is there from the very beginning. And, and getting on that soapbox, um, you know, I commend you for that. Well, thank you. It can be tough. To, I'm not going to act like every day is just like so amazing and, and and all that stuff. Literally just yesterday, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And, and every business, every founder has those moments, lots of them. But um if you are continuing to work towards the vision and figure out how to make it work, then that's all you can do. Sure. And sweet. I like it. And so um, I want to, like you mentioned a lot, right? Like you said, there's ups and downs to this. Um, There's always learning opportunities. You know, what's something that, um, that you've learned throughout this process that like, what's that, that, that top thing that you wish you, you could have known, at the beginning of the process that would have set you up for success um, maybe a lot quicker or just put maybe put you in a better position? I think it's literally something I am learning right now and I am trying to really um, get in place right now is that you, it's that automation and standardization and implementing processes that other people can follow are probably one of the most important things about building the business because until you do that, you don't know, like you haven't actually been systematically laying out everything that needs to be done in order to accomplish a goal. Um, And then you will always have to be the person that 
that plugs in a lot of that work in order to get to that goal. And you can't ever scale if you're the person that has to do everything. So being able to um, system systematize and operationalize a lot of things about your business is helpful in multiple ways because it makes you define like what your goal is, what needs, it, where you want to be and what you need to get do to get there. And then it also enables other people to come and plug in easily, more easily in order to get you to those goals when you're ready to bring new people in or when you're in a startup, you know, and you're like, um, you want to make sure that if you have a small team that people are doing the things that, that are, you know, need to get done, but also working on the things that align with their, their, um, talents and that kind of stuff. It's just so helpful. And I realized that a lot of things have just been, for us, have been kind of like um, fly by night, like just fly by the seat of our pants sort of thing, which happens a lot as startups. <laughs> but as much as you can say, these are our goals, this is what we want to do, this is what we're reaching for, um, and define what your vision is, and then define how you want to get there, the more easily um, I think you'll get there. Because then you'll see when, okay, we we this is where we want to get. And we this is how we thought we would get there, but we did those things and we didn't get there. So now we got to change something in that, <laughs> that um, you know, in that trajectory and figure out, uh, what we need to do to get there and then you continue to test and, and, and iterate but it's kind of hard to say um, it, it's kind of hard to see what you need to change if you haven't had the if you haven't actually like laid out the process in a logical way because mm-hmm. um, then you just kind of know well well you failed and and maybe you you only failed because you, you were trying to do this, you know, via Facebook when really you needed to be doing it on Twitter mm-hmm. or different. And so like you, you don't really see those places where you can make changes that will then get to you, you to where you want to go and help you reach that vision. It's a lot more difficult. So I'm realizing that we've been spinning our wheels on some things because we haven't been as methodical about laying out that, process about how we are planning to get to our goals and then seeing where we need to tweak and make changes. And so now that is my, my work for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. No, and it, 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 it's like you said, like the, the idea that you just mentioned, for example, with like Facebook, right. Knowing that, Hey, maybe you need to try different platforms. Right. Um, but you need to set your team up to where they know what that end goal is. Right. And then they can, a lot of times, I see the chart sometimes where it's like you want to get from point A to point B where point B is higher, but it's how you get there. Right. And a lot of times we, 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 we map it out as this one. All right, we're going to just straight go there. Right. But then there's like memes online where it's like, there's like squigglies and you kind of go backwards and then you're down and then eventually you get there, but it would have been nice if you could have minimized some of those squiggly lines. Right. That's not the technical way to look at it, but um, that's the way that I think about it sometimes. Um, and it's kind of cool to think that you'll get there, like you and your team will get there in your own way. But then you want to make sure, like you said earlier, that you're putting them in in, in positions to succeed. And that's a tough hat to wear as a leader. So I don't envy you from that perspective. 
it's very tough, but even more so like what you said about getting there with the squiggly lines. That's why you got to make sure you're documenting everything because once you get there and then you set the next goal, you got to be able to go back and, and see how you got to the first goal so that you can have a cleaner line, you know, hopefully you less squigglies to get to that next goal. But if y'all were just kind of doing whatever the heck, and to get to the first goal, then you're probably going to be bouncing off of every wall to try to get to the second goal too. And that's not really as scalable. It's much better to say, okay, these are the 15 steps that we took and we hit this. And so if we can put, you know, more money, more resources and behind these 15 steps, then we know we can get to this next level. Mm, I like that. Um, so, so, um, you know, I went to the, I, I've gone to the Nautilus site a couple of times. The site looks amazing. Um, if the listeners haven't checked out, make sure you, that you go to the Nautilus.com. The site, again, is, um, you know, black owned, uh, different products. You can search for, what, you know, whatever product you really want uh, for the different categories. But something actually caught my attention on the site um, the last week or so around the, the, um, the curated boxes, right, of, of Black-owned products. And you talked a little bit around how you guys have been testing and kind of figuring things out. Like, I guess, what uh, what kind of uh, analysis or what are people telling you um, who are leveraging the knowledge right now that, that said that, you know, they wanted these curated boxes of different products? Well, really, the thing was figuring out... Um you know, our customers and generally how they operate on our site and seeing that a lot of folks uh, come and and they are looking for particular products, right? They're looking for an item. Uh, they might think, hey, I need batteries. I wonder if there are any black battery companies. Let me go check. And then they find the battery company on Nile and they, they dip out, go buy their batteries. But some folks are like, I want to support black businesses and I don't really know what's out there. I don't have anything, you know, pressing right now that I need to buy. I just kind of want to browse around. And these boxes are really for um, those folks, folk, folks who want to discover and they want to just find out about new black brands, be able to try things. They're not sure exactly what they're looking for. But um, they're interested in that discovery aspect of what we do. And so, you know, with the boxes, we're actually going to start shipping them out this weekend for our holiday box. So anybody who hasn't grabbed one, make sure you go on the site and do so. We're running a whole bunch of um, specials. And that's also a part of the testing process because we have this box, we have the pricing and um and, you know, we have the marketing that we've done around it already, but we are planning to launch a marketplace next year. So a lot of what we're doing with the box is testing out how our audience responds to different things and what drives them and saying, OK, if we do if on Thursday we um, say you get 10 percent off the box uh, and then if you buy it today and then on Friday, we say you get free shipping on the box if you buy it today and we get 10 people that buy on Thursday and 20 people that buy on Friday. Well, then it looks like our audience cares more about free shipping than they do about getting a discount on the box and mm -hmm. being able to test the different things like that. So we are definitely using it a lot for customer discovery. Um 
but on, on our end, but also to help other, you know, help our customers discover things on their end and really excited just about the prospect of, um, of using these curated boxes as a way to connect people with brands that they aren't familiar with and hopefully get them some new favorites. Mm-hmm. That, like you, you even perked my ears when you were just talking about the black owned battery brand. Um, just oh. something like that, right? Like we all need batteries for remotes and all kinds of things around our house. Like if I knew that there was a brand and I'm actually going to go to the knowledge and make sure that I type in batteries now, <laughs> uh, if I knew that there was a brand for that, oh, that's a no brainer. Yep. Yep. That's it. Uh, it's a big thing. It, making sure that people know about these things that are out there. And so maybe, you know, you, it's like the cost of a meal to get subscribed to the box is, is $60. Although let, let me got, not get into that Twitter debate about like the cost of a date. <laughs> um, but, but if you live in DC, it's a pretty standard cost of a meal and for $60 every quarter. We curate these boxes around uh, a different theme and we ship them out to you. You get, um, you know, somewhere between five and eight products in them. This box as the holiday box has a few smaller products. So you're going to get 13 products from eight different black owned brands and, um, and you'll get to really discover and you can also gift them, which is really fun. This one is all about giftables for the holidays. So. Uh, we are really, really excited about these inaugural boxes that we're going to start sending out soon. I like it. And um, I think you are lowballing a date in the DC area. I think it's <laughs> more than $60. I'm pretty sure it is more than $60. I can guarantee that. No, $60 just for you by yourself to have a yeah, date. Yeah, okay. For, I was about to say. A quarantine. <laughs> yeah, we're splitting the ticket. Yeah. I was about to say. <laughs> Maybe because of quarantine, but $60 seems kind of low. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it ain't cheap, y'all. It ain't cheap. Hopefully, Black Twitter don't come for me with, the, uh, with all the back and forth about that, but it's not cheap. Yeah, that's like a can of worms, that whole discussion, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> um, and so, as we are closing out, um, you know, 2020... Again, I hope everybody is safe, quarantine. But what are some of the, uh, you know, as we've had conversations throughout the year, we've had conversations around uh, COVID at the top of the year. And I, I think that snowballed into what we're calling right now, right, the second pandemic um, that is plaguing us all, which is the, are the conversations around social inequities um, here in the States and really worldwide. You know, so how have those conversations impacted you personally, and then uh, the business as well as you plan for 2021. And I know you have some um, some interesting um, perspective on that just because um, you, you have some international travel um, that I think the folks should hear about this year. Yeah, so I, I've been in, uh, in two different places this year that saw a, uh, that grappled a lot with social issues. So obviously, I, I'm here in DC in the US, and we've been dealing with social issues as re- it relates to Black folks since forever. And there was obviously the murder of George Floyd, which sparked a resurgence in you know in the uh, visibility and around Black Lives Matter movement, and 
for the for the majority of the time that you know people were really talking about that I was out of the country. I left the country in March and I went to Nigeria. I did not expect to be there for that long, but then pandemic happened and uh, they closed the borders in Nigeria. So I was kind of stuck there hanging out with the family members that I have that live there. And so when this popped off in May, I was there and I was watching it from afar, but it's something that's been very close to my heart uh, for such a long time and was really part of what initially pushed me to be more purposeful about my support for black for black businesses was the the murder of um uh, of actually uh, several people you know Trayvon Martin was one of the ones that I really um I really remember starting to shift my ideology but even going back to when I was in college and the murder of Oscar Grant like it was it it's been something that's been on my mind for a while. And then Ferguson really started pushing me towards thinking about buying with black owned businesses more um, systematically. But then, it, you know, in Nigeria, I left there at the very beginning of October, right as the NSARS movement was starting there. And again, it was about the social inequities really more fundamentally, um, even though the, the premise of the movement was about this particular police unit in Nigeria. But, you know, that police unit has been emboldened and enabled by a corrupt government and, and sort of um, a lot of deeply rooted societal issues that have led to, um, you know, people, young folks being like, just rising up in the same way that they did in the U.S. with Black Lives Matter and saying, nah, we, we're tired of this. We're done. We're, we're over it. And I think it is, you know, it's obviously created a lot of interest in what I'm doing from a lot of corners uh, that might not have been as interested or as focused on something like now previously. But I think it's also really shown people the importance of what we're doing with a platform like this, because you, you know, people, you, we started to touch on it with some of the ways that protest, protests were manifesting when people are, you know, for example, when a target is looted and folks are like, well, <laughs> like, who, who, what is Target doing? Who cares about a Target? And, and making these corporations realize that they, um, you know, that they have to demonstrate that they're being a, a, as much a part of the solution as possible if they are going to continue in this era. But the folks who are out here pushing for change are also opening people's eyes to how much their dollars matter. And the and so we are really allowing people to to use their dollars for good, to get the things that they want, the things that they need online when they're shopping, uh, and also to feel good about the way that their money is being spent and who it's going to. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and, and you, uh, you touched on a lot there. Um, and it's, it's interesting that, um, you brought up the, um, the issues in Africa, right? That, that, that you were able to witness along with the issues here in the States. And just in seeing you explain it, like, it's clear, it's clear what the, the similarities are. Right. And it's around empowering people 
Um, and then essentially, you know, some of those individuals taking advantage of and um, of the underrepresented, right, the, the folks who don't necessarily have that say. And so I think that, that that's great to um, that the conversations are happening right now. And, and, and I appreciate it that, you know, the conversations really shifted from, you know, racial conversations to, all right, what are we talking about when we look at bigger groups of people? When you start looking at, you know, socioeconomic you know, levels within society, like there's some systemic things going on and it doesn't matter what your skin color is, right? Um, you're going to, there's a chance that it's going to impact you. It just so happens that a lot of these negative things when it comes to skin color that looks like me and you, uh, we're in those buckets that are impacted the most, right? Um, we're, we're across the board. And I think for me, a big one is the prison population. And, and looking at that, just just the mere fact that we are still imprisoning people in a pandemic, not giving them any kind of choice, even when COVID has been going around like rapid fire in some of these prison populations. And, and, and then we then, you know, turn around and, and rely on them to fight fires in the West. Like we're mm-hmm. we are. Um, Exposing a population to illness and death without any regard for their well-being, but then asking them to help us protect our well-being. And, and it, you know, it's just, I think it, it exposes a lot about the issues in our society. So, yeah, there's, I think folks this, this year, it, it's a topic that we talked a lot about when I was at Spelman, intersectionality. Um, as women, as a women's college and as an HBCU, thinking a lot about the intersectionality of various things, whether it is, um, you know, you know, primarily being a woman and also being a, a black person, but also being LGBTQ and a variety of things. But I think that people um, on a much larger scale this year have really started thinking a lot more about that intersectionality and looking not just at what it means to be a black person in the U.S., but also looking at all of these other populations of people who are being impacted negatively by the way that our society runs and how a lot of folks are falling into multiple groups. Oh, yeah. And then when you fall into multiple groups, um, it's not like these issues are like you just add them on top of each other. A lot of times they're compounded, right? And so you think about, like you said, being a female, being African-American, oh, there's a chance you may be LGBT, within that community, like your, your, your risk. And, you know, like you just said, we said earlier, risk, risk being risk averse, like your risk for a lot of the things that are playing society just went up, you know, three, five, 10, 20, 30, 50 fold. Yep. Right. Versus the benchmark. Um, so, um, yeah, we gotta, I feel good about 2021. I will say that. And I think um, to what the point that you brought up, just seeing people have the conversations People feeling like they're empowered, whether they're in a corporate setting um, or, you know, they're a business or they're an entrepreneur. People just feeling more empowered um, to have those conversations. I think that's the that's the golden nugget here, even with all the stuff that's going on in 2020. that helps us see some of that, the, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel in 2021 and moving forward. Yep, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers for 2021. I'm I'm 
cautiously optimistic though because I was also like you know I was optimistic in April that we was about to be outside in May and now I'm just nah. looking crazy yeah, yeah Khadija yeah no yeah um, I, yeah no like yeah, said, nah. April May it was just like oh this is real like <laughs> this is not going away that was a feeling I had too so I'm right there with you like, hey, you know, we'll figure this thing out. And it's like, no, this is uh, this is here to stay this year. So we said, say all that, you know, all the, I appreciate you giving all that background, giving your perspective. You know, what are you looking forward to for 2021 for the knowledge? I am looking forward to a lot more failure. And that might sound a little crazy, but I am looking forward to that because I will know that if we are um, continuing to iterate, there's going to be failure. If we're continuing to continuing to test things out and to learn, there's going to be failure. And so uh, I, I am looking forward to to that process um, and, and becoming more and more equipped to learn more and to then get better coming out of those failures mm-hmm. so, uh, i think that's a mic drop moment i wish i had a mic i could just pass you through the screen <laughs> so you could just you know like drop it uh if i could get it right there you go the mic drop uh, <laughs> but that is um that's an important one um i think uh I, you touched on it earlier obviously with the risk adverse and just con- the conservative nature of say the generations before us. Um, and I feel like our generation, right. We're kind of in the middle somewhat, like we're the first ones to have like, you know, our phone, you know, have a cell phone at the age of 10, 11, 12, right. We, we were the first ones to actually play with some of these tools. And I feel like for the most part, we've done a good job of using them to our, the best of our ability. But I'm not going to lie. seeing the younger generation that and what they're doing with it now, it's kind of got a little battery in my back. Um, because I thought that, you know, I was leveraging things the best way that I could, but, you know, then I look at my 10, 11, 12 year old nephews, um, and little cousins and they're like doing things that I probably wasn't able to do at their age in terms well, of just yeah. like, I was like, on AOL instant messenger thinking I was hot. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. AOL, you know what? I think we had what, uh, MySpace. Oh, oh, baby, I was on Black Planet. Black Planet, I was going to say Black Planet. You were Black Planet. <laughs> I was on Black Planet like it wasn't nobody's business, we okay? We I was at school, hit me up on AOL Instant Messenger. Here's my AIM name, you know, writing it down on a piece of paper, sliding it to folks. <laughs> I was not on TikTok, you know, in front of, like, millions of people around yeah, the Yeah, it's just, we thought we were the ish, and it's just... <laughs> It, it, it's it I think it's good motivation though. Um because I think the tools like they're probably gonna get you know incrementally better over time, right? And so we'll be able to take part in that. Um but like you said, that failure piece, I'm already in apps that I that I have no idea what I'm doing most of the time. And I do have to call my younger uh my my, my younger cousins and uh nephews and nieces and just ask them like, hey, how do you how do you uh, navigate this app? Because I'm having trouble. <laughs> I'm doing that already. Technical support. Like, I'm trying to figure out. Sounded like my grandma, but yeah. Nah, it's real. <laughs> it's real. 
So getting you want you're 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 excited to see you know have more failure and learn from those opportunities. That is so that's gonna be a big one for 2021. Um that's gonna be huge. Another nugget. Um and so you know, in closing, um, you know, I wanna I wanna thank you, Khadija, um, for um you know, hopping on the Beyond Normal podcast. Again, we've been trying to get this one on the map, uh, you know, for a while now, but I appreciate you stopping by. Um, I'm glad you're quarantined, you're safe. Um, but in closing, I do want to make sure I give you some time, let folks know how they can uh, reach out and stay connected on the Nautilus. And then in addition to that, for the, the business owners out there who have products um, that may fit um, on your platform, how can they reach out to you? Right. So we, number one, we list businesses that are black owned e-commerce brands. So as long as you sell products online and you are black owned company wholly or partially, then you can uh, list with us for free at the nihilist.com. Just make an account and then sign your business up. Super easy for anybody who wants to just see what we got, go to the nihilist.com and, you know, use our search tool. Find what you want. Uh, and you can also find us on social media at the Nile list. We are on um, uh, all the big things. We, we just got a TikTok, so I'm still playing around with that. But we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, Pinterest. And now we have our TikTok page. So everything is at the Nile list. Pretty easy to find. Thanks for that. And uh you know, if you go, like Khadija said, the Nautilus, um, if you go to and search on that on Google or whatever your uh, search platform is, Khadija has the first page on lock. Um, <laughs> so I just want to throw that out there. She, the, the business is not hard to find. I myself, I do enjoy the quarantine Mondays and I did enjoy the, the balcony banter. I don't know if you're bringing back the balcony banter, um, Khadija, on your YouTube, uh, but I enjoyed all those videos. So make sure you guys check that out as well. Um, again, I appreciate Khadija for uh, hopping on the episode. Um, looking forward to folks buying those curated boxes. I'll be buying one myself um, to check out all the different black brands, the batteries. Like as soon as you said batteries, it just kind of like piqued my interest. <laughs> I'm that kind of person where I care about having enough batteries in my house. <laughs> Listen, um, I got to buy some now. Yeah. I need triple A's and all I got is double A's. And it's I'm worse. That. <laughs> it's the worst when you got like a whole big pack. <laughs> double A's and you need triple A's or vice versa so I'm not going to hold you guys too much longer um, I just want to um, you say thanks for tuning in to the Beyond Normal Podcast have a great weekend everybody thanks for tuning in to the Beyond Normal Podcast we can be streamed across all major streaming platforms in addition to YouTube come back again